Life Happens with Pimelo Mutine on SAFM, leading the conversation. Thank you so much for staying with us. So this is, I'd, I'd say, this is my last behind the music for the year. My, so, mine, uh, mine. Yours. I think you'll be back here next week. If if <laughs> if the demand is high, I will be. Yes. Oh, oh, are you kidding? Are you kidding? We're partying next week. I mean, uh, that's all we'll be doing. In fact, we'll be doing music all the way. I mean, look, I'm a musician. Like, we got to work in December. No one's paying my bill. Oh, so, I know, yeah. I know. I'm so sorry about that. No. We're also here at work, by the way. Okay. Yeah, okay. no, we we here. We're going nowhere. Oh, no, I'm we, sorry about we, that. <laughs> <laughs> right. So today, interesting choice, David Kramer. You know the, the the reason why I thought uh, I, I thought about David Kramer. Uh, f- first off, I, to some degree, I feel like he's he's a forgotten icon. Mm. Um, and I was at a music conference in Cape Town earlier this year, and he spoke, and it was one of the most enlightening, fascinating talks I've heard from a South African musician in my life. Uh, um, and and just so many things he was saying that I think are such great lessons for younger artists, mm-hmm. especially in this day and age, because I think so so many of us want to emulate. Um, and even if we're trying to be emulate someone South African, the fact is a lot of South African artists think, okay, so Mikasa is a huge uh, group band. Um, I want to. I'm going to do music that's exactly like, like that, mm. um, as opposed to trying to find your thing. Mm. There was nothing that existed before Mikasa. There was mm. nothing that existed before uh, Goldfish, mm. or you know, uh, mm. uh, I mean, Shaw Majorzi is a yeah. great example of yeah. that now. Um, you know, and um, he he's such a. His talk was really just about that, you know, and, and, and his career is one of the most unique and fascinating careers of, of a South African artist mm. ever. Mm. And if you're like me, uh, who grew up in the 80s, I was a child of the 80s, um, it, it was hard not to be exposed to David Kramer. If you were no, watching... Yeah. No, not you can't. No. You can't not know him. Yeah. And even if you never heard a single David Kramer song, he was that guy with the slick back hair that yes, was uh, parted yes, to the side. He yes, had the, 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 the braces, yes. the big brown pants, and the and the red shoes mm-hmm. um, uh, in the in the VW Combi yes. ads. And like I've got such good like I don't know why, but like like it it it, it brings back good memories. Well, for me. he does. He he's got that thing that with all of that stuff that was going on, mm. he he was that. He, it's a it's a good feeling. He brings yeah. up good feelings. And when you hear his story, which I'll, I'll, I'll talk about very soon, um, you realize why, mm. uh, why he brought that. Because I think a lot of people mm, uh, almost misunderstand his, his uh, legacy as an artist mm. in this country and not realizing that uh, he was really an, uh, an apartheid uh, activist. Mm. Uh, he was certainly against it. Um, he just put it in satirical ways in humorous ways and um and it's not that different to what um, a lot of comedians are doing in this day and age mm-hmm. um deep fried man being yes. a being a great example yes, yes. and we still use humor you know we still go through troubled times in this country heaven knows but uh, but it's that humor and it's often those kind of comedians mm-hmm. that 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 bring us through when, when when was your first connection with him look it was definitely the vw combi ads um uh, and um i think the next one for me was uh and i didn't actually realize it until much later um i, I don't know if you recall i think it was the early 90s um cat and the kings was this big was this big show that everyone was talking about that's broken internationally mm-hmm. it's uh it played in the west end yeah. for ages it played on broadway there are very few 
musicals or theatre mm-hmm. from South Africa that breaks it internationally. And uh, his uh, partnership with uh, the late, uh, great Talib Peterson mm-hmm. um, did do that. Um, and that's really what happened to David Cromer mm-hmm. sort of post the, the music career. Mm-hmm. Um, and once I realized he was in Cat and, Cat and the Kings, I, uh, I, it, it yeah. was unbelievable. So, yeah. Sometimes you don't know what artists uh, are doing. Because I think a lot of people thought when he, because he really did cut the umbilical cord from his artist sort of recording career, that mm. commercial career, mm. he completely went cold turkey. Mm. Um, uh, and uh, I think a lot of South Africans just think, okay, well, he stopped, he retired, he's gone and he's making clothes. That's it, whatever. yeah. yeah. Uh, but he wasn't. Um, this man is still working to this day. He's still putting on incredible shows in Cape Town, um, very often at uh, theatres like the Baxter Theatre, mm-hmm. and um, and brilliant, uh, brilliant theatre, which makes you think. Mm. He's always done that. Another thing that, um, while I was doing my research, that I realised is he's so passionate about um, uh, indigenous music. Yes, he is. He uh, is. And um, it, it's quite unbelievable what he's unearthed who he's unearthed uh, and and he continues to do that obviously he came from the cape so he's he, passionate about yeah, that part of uh, south you africa you know he he's one of those people who is rooting for this country if if that makes any Absolutely. sense you know yeah. um through his art and and yeah. very quietly so i'd yes. say and i don't know if you agree with me that he is so rooted in his work yeah. so he delves so deeply in his work that one wonders why he never bothered to to find somebody to blow his horn for him yeah that's true i i I suspect he didn't want anybody to i'm sure um and they are and they are they are those kind of artists without a doubt yeah so shall we delve a little bit further back are we starting now yes okay so um what was interesting to to learn when um when i was at this talk with with david um is is kind of the beginnings of his career and how he became this character that he became Mm -hmm. and it all started he matriculated and decided he's going to go and uh, study in Leeds. And at the time, he was heavily influenced. This is now late 60s, early 70s. Mm-hmm. He was heavily influenced by this whole folk uh, hippie movement that was happening. Um, most notably, like people, obviously Bob Dylan kind of started this whole thing. I think the big guy right at that moment was a guy named Cat Stevens. Yes. He sang Wild World and, and some other incredible songs. Um, and there was a huge folk music movement in the UK. So he goes to Leeds to study. But I think a real big part of his his studying in uh, the UK was to start performing uh, on the music scene there, you know, playing uh, playing his sort of folk songs. Yes. Now, at that time, all of his music was essentially emulating the music that was co- the folk music that was coming yeah. from the UK, the the folk music that was coming from the US. Mm-hmm. Um, and so basically, he goes and he performs in all these clubs in Leeds. And he doesn't quite get the reaction he wants. Mm-hmm. And he realizes quite quickly that for him, what he's doing is he's just imitating the people he's performing to, if that makes sense. Yes. You know, for, for yes. the UK audience, they don't that's want their that. culture, they, that they don't folk want that, yeah. music movement. But they're like, but, but, but you're not you're, from here. And you're not I think us. Absolutely. And he also realized he's not from here. Mm. So, so essentially... Um, he, 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 he realized he was different. Mm. You know, as much as he's a white English-speaking uh, South African, he's still a South African. Mm. You're still, uh, uh, you still grow up around mm. a very different environment to anywhere else in the world. Mm. Uh, and to some degree, I absolutely can attest to that. Um, 
So, look, ultimately, he, he started feeling pretty silly and stupid about, the, about that realization. And he knew he had to kind of change it. So he decided what he was going to do is kind of start to repackage himself. And what he started to do is he started to present songs of his own experiences as a white South African in the apartheid years. Mm. And the, look, obviously, this was a heated issue. The, the rest of the world was deeply against apartheid. Mm. Um, and um, and if you're a white guy oh, overseas... I remember that when, when it yeah. was so difficult as a white person moving through the world. Right. Because, you, you know, people you're, would want to spit on you. Actually, absolutely. And I mean, look, you can completely understand that. Mm. Um, and, and so he had to then figure out a way. How does he navigate this? Mm. How does he break through that as a white South African? Mm. Um, and what he did is he started to realize that the best way to get his audience to understand his side of the story was to to use um humor and satire and he used this to connect to the audience he he in his own words this is what he said when uh, when he gave his his talk he said he would take the piss out of himself and out of the apartheid and um out of the government in particular you know, and, and he ultimately started to make people laugh. Mm. He realized it was, this was the way he could connect to, to people. Mm. So it's South African stories, but it's humorous. It's mm. satire. It's making people laugh. And that was, and I think the great lesson he learned then was uniqueness. Yeah. He learned uniqueness. It was the key to his success, being different. It was the first time he kind of realized being different mm. was the key to his success. Now, at this stage, then he travels back to South Africa. Is there time? Can I carry on? Okay. So, comes back to South Africa. We're talking now early 70s. Back to Cape Town. And he starts performing uh, um, around all the Cape Town sort of music uh, scene, mm-hmm. scenes. And, he, and no one at this stage in South Africa was performing music like this. Mm. Humorous, mm. but talking about political issues, but in a satirical way. Mm. Um, this little guy doing kind of folk songs, but yeah. South African stories. It it was very unique at the time. There was no there was no one like a deep fried man. Mm, mm. There was nothing like it. He was the first guy to do it. There was the um, I mean stand up comedy was a difficult thing in 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 apartheid yeah. South Africa. Yeah. And, and, but the way he was doing it was combining music with 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 humor. It was very unique, and he started to build a cult following, and it really started to grow. And he he kind of used his music as social commentary to make people laugh at themselves. And that's the same thing that, that comedians to this day do when we are feeling rough about yeah. our country, about yeah. the economy, about load shedding. Let's take a quick break and we'll come back with more. And uh, I am with RJ Benjamin and our subject today is David Cromer. At SFM Radio and at Pimelo Mutile on Twitter. This is the big day at St. George's Park, the Mzansi Super League playoff encounter as the Nelson Mandela Bay Giants battle it out with the Tswane Spartans through a slim passage that will determine who goes through to meet the Pal Rocks in Monday's final. Catch this much-anticipated clash this Friday at 5 p.m. on Radio 2000, FM and SABC3. SABC is the official broadcaster of the Mzansi Super League Fast Fun for All. Life Happens with Pinelo Modine. We're back with RJ Benjamin and we're looking at the behind the music of David Kramer. Right. So now we're back, back in Cape Town. Right. We're in Cape Town. He's building this cult following. And he starts to realize he wants people to remember this crazy music he's creating. Because yeah. right now he's only performing it. And he decides 
not necessarily to become some kind of major pop star because he knew his music wasn't pop music mm. per se, but he wanted to put it down on record so that one day his generations, his grandchildren, uh, great-grandchildren, would know the kind of human being he was and the kind of uh, thing that he did. Um, so he lands up signing to a label called Mountain, Mountain Records um, who were distributing, if I'm correct, through EMI. Okay. And he releases this first album called Bakhat. Okay. And a lot of these songs are very political. There's two things that, that David Cromer does. One, very political satire. Two, um, he mixes English and Afrikaans. Now, at the time in South Africa, it was absolutely unheard of. <laughs> you dare. It's like, um, it's sacrilege. It, it really was like just... And uh, it it's was either or. It's unacceptable. You you couldn't you you were not allowed to mix languages. There was no such thing for any language for any South African language. And ultimately, because of that, the SABC, back in the day, very different uh, beast. Yes. Okay. Uh, refused to play a single song from the album, and yet the album went platinum. Wow. He still sold hundreds of thousands of records. And, and, and essentially, he became a, a star without having a song, single song playing on radio. He started to build this movement now beyond just Cape Town, now all over. And, and ultimately, the bottom line is EMI basically came and they thought to themselves, look, if this guy could sell hundreds of thousands of albums without even having a song on radio, imagine if he did have a song on radio. Like this guy mm. is going to make us rich. Mm. That's essentially what they must have been thinking mm. at the time. So they go, they approach David and they basically say, David, don't you have some songs uh, that, you know, that, are, that could be a little bit more commercial, you know, that are, that, that are slightly less political. Mm. And he, he, he presents them with, with two songs. One song called Hakon Blokis, mm. which is about some rugby player in the 1930s uh, who played for the Springboks who like, played one game. Um, and then that's another story about these oaks at, at a hotel called the Royal Hotel. Very light songs compared to the other yeah. material. And they become smash hits. And ultimately, this makes David Cromer a, 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 a national star, like a massive star in South Africa. You know, you had Patricia Lewis. Yep. Um, and you had David Cromer. <laughs> yes. uh, obviously, there were the Johnny Cleggs and those kind of white asses. But David, David was really a unique uh, massive artist, um, uh, and this was about 1981. We're, we're talking 1981, 1982. Um, what I'd like to play for you guys is um, it, it's something that really reflects David. I think in in, in all his great greatness. Um, now, it, it's a song where I think a lot of it is, is in Afrikaans, but the way David sang Afrikaans even then was was very much with uh, how can I say with a Cape influence. My wife, uh, who's from Cape Town, she calls the way uh, um, her, her, her family, her, her people, the, the colored community speak Afrikaans, Afrikaaps. Mm. And it's because it's very different. Yeah. You don't say nia, you say ni, ooh ni. <laughs> um, and also, the words are all compressed. You wouldn't say us ni, you'd say usi. Okay? Um, so, so he uses this kind of language when he sings Afrikaans. So he was on radio. Okay, not not specifically singing Afrikaans um, uh, traditionally. Somewhat a little bit colloquial as well. He was singing it like he was a he was part of the the colored community, and this was incredible mm. because it really opened doors mm. to say you don't have to sing Afrikaans mm. um, in, in the sort of savor tr traditional way, mm -hmm. but you can sing 
uh, Afrikaans, how you sing it. Mm-hmm. And, and he really opened up doors in terms of that. So mm-hmm. the song I'm going to play you now uh, is called Macy's Son of Sokis. So that obviously is the music of David. This is a fascinating story. Well, let's talk about this particular song. Why you yes. chose this song? I mean, it sounds to me. I mean, yeah. it is so indigenous, well, but this, uh, it's 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 originality that's in question, isn't it? It is in question. But this is what David Cromer, I think, was trying to prove even back in the early eighties that. Um, uh, Lang Arm music, mm-hmm. in particular, mm-hmm. is not um, is not a um, how can I say a white Afrikaans Afrikaners music indigenous only. Afrikaans people's music. Uh, uh, that's prob- that's a much better way to say it. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> I get paid. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, he he started to build knowledge, and and he wanted to find out. What is the what? Because he felt that a lot of the music from the Cape, the mm-hmm. Western Cape and the Northern Cape, mm-hmm. sounded so similar to the Lang Aram sort of Soki music coming mm-hmm. from the Afrikaans community mm-hmm. uh, further up north mm-hmm. in South Africa, and he essentially discovered that that Lang Aram has its um, origins um, in the Clan Karua mm-hmm. in, in the Karoo, um, specifically with the Khoi and indigenous people of that area. Interesting um, and. Uh, there's, an, there's a fascinating TED talk that I found on YouTube where he literally went all around the Karoo to discover people who had these unique techniques, but ultimately whose families went dated back to the 1700s who were playing Lang Aram music ultimately. So proving its origins. Really. Proving its origins. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's fascinating. Uh, bec- we need people like that. Sure. You know, uh, that is amazing. I didn't know that and yeah. I think it's really fascinating. Listen, let's, let's do this again next year. Me and you. Next year. Let's do this. RJ, it's been wonderful. Thank, thank you so much. You. For do- yes, yeah, I'm going to Yes, I'm going to miss you too. <laughs> let's do this again uh, next year, you and I. Okay. But uh, folks, I see you on Monday, bright and early on, uh, on Stephen's morning. Uh, morning breakfast show at six on monday so looking forward to that we'll see you then and thank you very much to the entire team that put this together and uh, let's do this again next week thanks everybody it's three o'clock let's go to the sabc news now um for the very latest in news